Hey, this is Mr. Anderson Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Perfect Secrets of WCW Nitro. New two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. Thursday night, August 9th, with Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. First time back here on the show in nearly two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's been too long, my friend. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> doing good, man. Doing good. Our, my schedule, your schedule, and Mark, Mark's schedule for the summertime has been pretty much more down than up. But uh, anytime we get a chance to talk about the world of professional wrestling, uh, it's always a good show, man. Always. I mean, there's not always a ton to talk about when it comes to just WWE, but the cool thing about taking some time off every now and again from doing here the show is that every two weeks we come back with even more stuff to talk about. And sometimes in the weeks where really nothing of note happens on Raw and SmackDown, yeah. we have even more shit to talk about between anniversaries and breaking news and opinions and debates and all that other great stuff that uh two out of three falls is known for so mm-hmm. always excited to be breaking it down with, with you my brother right here on the show today yeah man summertime is always it's traditionally a slow time you know you you start getting football preseason coming back now and you know a little nba stuff here and there but aside from that man let's say i don't watch baseball so that shit is still going on, but pretty much summertime is pretty much a slow time, man. It really is. I mean, for WWE, it's usually one of their hottest seasons, I would argue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know WrestleMania season is like their season is like the time to be a wrestling fan, but usually the summer season heading into SummerSlam is a lot more exciting. Now, granted, it has been on the SmackDown side, at least in my opinion. Um, over since at least Extreme Rules, and then the build to SummerSlam on the SmackDown side has been brilliant. Mm. Raw has been in the fucking doldrums now for like at least two or three months since the Superstar shakeup. So every single week, it's the same shit over and over and over. I feel like I'm watching a Raw house show on loop every single week. Um, and sometimes there's you know some good stuff to pull apart, which we'll talk about here today on the show, like the Ronda Rousey Raw debut or Paul Heyman's interview segment and some Brock Lesnar stuff and what have you. But largely for WWE, it's been kind of a cold product in the last couple of months, which is largely why Mark has not been joining us because he's not been keeping up to date with the WWE stuff. And I assure him he has not been missing much at all when it comes to the WWE stuff. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we are excited. I am excited to talk about everything going on in WWE and beyond right now in SummerSlam. All in all, I will not be there this year. I'm going to take over and maybe SmackDown uh, at the Barclays Center a couple days later. Mm-hmm. But it should be a solid show on paper, but it could also be very hit or miss. So we'll see. We'll see. Come on next Sunday. Yeah, Mark pulled uh, the Stone Cold and just took his ball and ran home <laughs> <laughs> was he asked to do the job it's to uh brock lesnar Brock-ish. first though probably, that's the question probably uh and also i mean i don't mean to break the news to you but you know like you mentioned the product has been cold um or you know you guys see the same uh stuff on raw i mean that's kind of been the same for not only a few months but a few 
<laughs> few years, man. It's just the same thing well, yeah. over and over. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, that can be said for, you know, the just in, in general. I mean, I know that. I mean, that goes yeah. back years and years and years. But I'm just saying, you know, between Raw and SmackDown anyway, at least in 2018, Raw was the better show for a time just mm-hmm. because SmackDown with Jinder on top, this, again, this is no um, rocket science here. It was fucking terrible. The show was pretty awful, and it's just a lot better now. I don't know if they got their old writers back or they just have a better roster to work with. I'm not sure what's going on there, but the show I tune in, and I'm much more entertained by what I watch than what happens on Raw. And the thing with Raw is that, yeah, it's not exactly the Attitude Era or even the Ruthless Aggression Era in terms of stuff to look forward to every single week, but it will have its high points, and it has its low points. The last three months has been... The low point. I mean, even before that, oh, you know, going into WrestleMania it was it was somewhat exciting anyway. Late last year, last summer, they had its high point. So it comes and goes. I'm sure it will get better at some point. Maybe when they get Jason Jordan back and Dean Ambrose back and Sami Zayn back and I don't know, just the current landscape of the show, just with who they have on top. I'm not exactly a fan of, but I just look. I mean, as a wrestling fan, you know it's going to get better, which is why we hold out hope, and yeah. we don't. You know, I mean, some people tune out for good and they don't come back. But for me as a fan, that the joy of watching at least WWE is that, you know, whenever it gets bad, you know, they're capable of creating creating some good stuff as well, which, you know, is right around the corner. So that's always the hope anyway. Well, I think you kind of have to, you know, the reason behind why SmackDown has been better lately than Raw, you know, from what I read and what I see on Twitter, it kind of makes sense. The fact that SmackDown has that new deal coming next next year with Fox. So I guess they're trying to make, I don't know, make SmackDown the A show because obviously Raw will always be the A show regardless of what happens. But they're trying to make SmackDown look and feel like it's, you know, 1A, 1A compared to Raw because they, get, they, get, they got that new deal coming next year. So maybe they're just putting more effort into that show. And, you know, Raw... Raw will, will be Raw, but SmackDown going to, to, to Big Fox next year, I think that they, they're really putting in more effort into making that show even better. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, we talked about this when the whole Fox deal broke a couple months ago. Um, but, you know, I, I would hope that. I mean, that's not for another year. So I would hope that in the meantime, they won't just twiddle their thumbs and put forth a pretty mediocre product. I mean, that doesn't seem to be the case based on what we've seen on SmackDown the last couple of months. I would hope they can maintain this momentum going into next October when it starts airing live on Fridays on on a much bigger network. Um, But, you know, I mean, I I would hope that they can keep the product hot. And I don't know if it's going to be their A show because it's going to be on a much bigger network than Raw. Uh But we'll see. I know there's been rumors of them disbanding the brand split because it's how can you do a brand split if they only have half the stars and Fox wants everybody. I don't exactly buy into that. I think they can get away with doing a brand split even though they're on two separate networks. They've done it before. They can do it again. They didn't do it very well the first time, but they've done it fairly well by it by and large over the last two years and i think wwe benefits mm-hmm. especially with the current landscape of the roster and that with there being so many fucking stars between raw and smackdown or so much talent to work with i should say because we don't have rock and stone cold level stars right now but we have a lot of talent between both brands and it just yeah. wouldn't work with just one umbrella between raw and smackdown but yeah i mean that's not for another you know 14 months or so so i'm just kind of focused on the present and enjoying smackdown for what it is uh right now that's right the millennium clock is running down to smackdown on fox huh 
Ah, I love the uh, love the segue there, my friend. Don't think that went over my head, Mister Y Two J over here. Oh, uh, well, before I get to Y Two J, it's funny you mentioned Jinder Mahal, and it's um, a year ago now he was the world champion. Just just kind of shows you how fast time goes. Where just now he's doing these meditation relaxation bullshit, and a year ago he was the world champion. Crazy, huh? Dude, it's nuts. I watched back SummerSlam from last year. I haven't seen it since I saw it live a year ago. I wasn't there, but I watched it after the fact. But I just watched it back the other day, and it was him and Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm. And Nakamura came out like a house of fire. The guy was so over. I mean, we were both at the TakeOver Brooklyn show Mm -hmm. that same exact day a year earlier when he won the NXT Championship from Samoa Joe. The reaction that he got when he came out, the reaction when he won the championship was through the roof. Yeah. And the same can be said when he came out at SummerSlam a year ago. Um, the reaction that he got when he came out during the match was unreal. He had the same guy playing the violin. It was had a big fight feel, despite the fact that Jinder sucked, I mean, and he still does suck. I mean, the match had a big fight feel. The match was then no good, and then he lost clean with one coloss. It was pretty <laughs> bad. It was it was pretty bad. I'm like, holy shit, they had Nakamura lose to this goofball who a year ago can't even get on the SummerSlam card. Jinder Mahal was almost headlining SummerSlam last year for the WWE Championship, and this year he's not even on the card. That's pretty bad. Um, and so pretty much they sacrificed Nakamura's momentum for a guy that had no long-term potential whatsoever. So it really is mind-blowing a year later, even still now. Uh, Ronda Rousey made her Monday Night Raw debut, her singles debut against uh, Alicia Fox. Um, you know, there was hype around it and, you know, it was the main event of Raw, which you kind of figured that would be the case. So, uh, getting her ready for her one-on-one match with Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam, um, didn't, did not expect a Matt Classic from this match. Um, I, I, I assume she won, I think she made Alicia tap out, but from the hype and everything that, that transpired and what you saw, uh... What were the ups and downs for Ronda Rousey's debut on Monday Night Raw? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, it was one of, if not the highlight from Raw this week. Aside from the Heyman interview, this mm-hmm. was one of the best parts of the entire show. Now, granted, like you said, the match with Alicia Fox was not a fucking five-star classic, nor was it designed to be. But I think the overall presentation of Ronda Rousey's Raw in-ring debut was very, very well done. Now, I think just thinking big picture here... The company, for as much crap as they get, for like, oh, they're burying this guy or this storyline sucks. So that's too predictable. They deserve credit for, by and large, treating Ronda Rousey like the star that she is. About time. She really has been booked very, very well for the most part since showing up in the company back at the Royal Rumble. She's won matches. She's come across very well. She's making strides in the ring. So it's not only on the company, but Ronda herself, where she's putting in the effort and the work into getting better as a character on the mic, in the ring. She's pretty much the complete package. I wouldn't trust her before with cutting a fucking long-term promo or like a long-winded promo, but with what she had to say on Monday's Raw about Alexa Bliss, short, sweet, and to the point after she won against Alicia Fox, calling out Alexa, it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. The match itself, I saw some people saying, oh, Ronda Rousey is too, uh, she's too rough. She's too... Um, reckless and all this other stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly what match people were watching. I think Alicia, maybe she didn't sell too well. I'm not saying that Ronda is the safest person in the world. Maybe she takes it a bit too far time sometimes. But 
you got to have it come across as real. I mean, that's just the nature of her character. Brock Lesnar is the same way, maybe to a larger extent, just because sometimes he's more reckless than he should be. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. I did not hear any reports of Alicia Fox being hurt coming out of that match. That's a good sign, obviously. Um, I think they did everything they could to make Ronda Rousey look dominant and strong in her first ever match on Raw. And it's great, too. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, they should have saved that for pay-per-view. Like, Ronda Rousey should not be the next Brock Lesnar. She is the female Brock Lesnar, but she can wrestle on Raw. I don't think Brock has to wrestle on Raw. Ronda can wrestle on Raw because women's wrestling is different than the men's where, I don't know, I think at some point she's going to have to get, she's going to have to wrestle on Raw. Because she's not there every other month like Brock Lesnar. She's there almost every single week. She can't not wrestle for the remainder of her run with the company. She's got to wrestle on Raw at some point. So, and I think I think starting her out against Alicia Fox was smart because Alicia is pretty bad in the ring, to be quite honest, in my opinion. Anyway, she's been here for ten years and she's only gotten worse, which I thought was impossible, at least from what I've seen. Um, but they gave her, you know, she gave Ronda a decent match mm -hmm. and moreover than anything else, it wasn't like they wasted, oh, like Ronda's first ever raw match is against Sasha Banks. Like that would be a mistake. Like you save that shit for pay-per-view and right. maybe now that she's beaten Alicia, she can face Mickey James coming at a SummerSlam on raw. Like there's different ways they can go with this year. Um, but yeah, again, as an overall package, I really, really liked it. The in-ring introductions, the pre-match promo from Alicia and Alexa Bliss, the post-match interview with Ronda Rousey. It had a big fight feel. I'm not exactly sure what it did for the Raw rating on this week. I don't really give a shit about that too much. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Ronda, moreover than anything else, came across like the star that she is. Well, you mentioned this wasn't a four-star match. So this, this match wasn't better than uh, Okada Omega, huh? I mean, it might be, you know, depending on who you're talking to. I think more people might be more interested in, Ra in, in Ronda Rousey versus Alicia Fox than all in in a couple months. You saw people complaining about that. But, hey, you know what? Mm -hmm. To each their own. If you like Alicia Fox and the main event of Raw every week, to each your own. I guess uh, whatever floats your boat. Hey, man, bottom line is I like how they've been, how they've been portraying Ronda Rousey as, you know, I, it just, it, you know, in the beginning she was – Coming down the aisle, smiling, shaking hands. That's cool and everything. But, you know, that was, what, maybe January? And now we're in August. So it, now the tides have turned where she's now coming with the, with the frown. And she's coming to beat, you know, kick somebody's ass. And she's on that on that, on that that roofless tear. And um, it only took a matter of time before they made her really kind of just present herself as who she really is. As, as a fucking badass. And... You know, it remains to be seen on how they portray this match at SummerSlam because I don't think they're going to make this match one-on-one -on -one and not have Ronda Rousey walk out of Barclays as champion. You, I mean, you never know. Uh, they could do a false finish, some count out, some DQ kind of shit. But um, with what you saw on Monday, does the likelihood of Ronda Rousey walking out of Barclays and SummerSlam with the, the Raw Women's title go higher? Or do you think it's still kind of 50 50 right now eh, i think it's 50 50 my pick to win was always ronda rousey mm -hmm. um i mean i guess you could prolong the feud by having alexa bliss somehow win i don't know i would save ronda's first big loss for later down the line i mean i guess you can get the undefeated aspect of her character out of the way early but let's face it she went undefeated in ufc for how long three years or longer than that like uh -huh. She should not be losing within her first eight months in WWE. I know True. it's a scripted sport, obviously, but it's like, 
I don't know, to Alexa Bliss, regardless of whether there's there's a fuck finish or not, or it's a DQ, whatever. I mean, I guess you can get away with doing a DQ or a count out, but we literally just saw that with Ronda and Nia Jax and Money in the Bank. It was fine there and made sense there. You got to do a clean finish here. Mm. And I think also, too, not only is it time for Ronda to become champion, especially now that she's wrestling on Raw, I also think it's time to move away from Alexa Bliss as the focal point of that division. Now, she's been doing great work. Don't get me wrong. She's one of the best in that roster. But she's also been in the limelight now, the spotlight for both Raw and SmackDown's championship pictures pretty much since she showed up two years ago. Like, I thought when they took the title off her at WrestleMania, they would take some time away from her in the main event, in the title picture. And they did for like a month before they put the belt right back on her at Money in the Bank. So I think it's time to move on from that. They can always do a rematch at Hell in the Cell the next month or Evolution or whatever. Um, but I would much rather see Ronda also working with, in addition to Alexa, people like Mickey James, more of Nia Jax, Ruby Riot at some point I think it'd be cool. Bailey and Sasha, and there's a few other people as well. Ember Moon maybe down the road could be an interesting matchup. Um, my pick to win is still Ronda Rousey. That could change mm. based on what we see on Monday. I know booking 101, all oh, the woman with the more momentum means that she's losing. But I don't know. I think they might do the right thing and have Ronda win. If they have Alexa Bliss retain, it's got to be done right. But I'm not exactly sure how you can do that without doing another fuck finish or without having Ronda get pinned outright by Alexa Bliss. Yeah, so my thing is, Ronda should walk into Evolution as champion, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Alexa Bliss should not be champion for longer than two or three months. Um, I, I really don't think there's any money in... I mean, I love Alexa Bliss. Like I said, she's a big star. But, I mean, what match at Evolution can you do that's a, that's a big money match? I guess that could be where Ronda Rousey becomes the Raw Women's Champion. But, what, yeah. is she going to lose to Alexa Bliss here and at Hell in the Cell next month at the next pay-per-view? I don't think so. So I would put the belt on her. It's pure, honestly. I would not wait any longer. Um, and then maybe do Ronda Rousey and Nige. I mean, that's not even a match I would want to see either at the next at that Evolution pay-per-view. Uh, you know, something with the four horsewomen, I was thinking, like, maybe they're building to a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match. I don't know if they can rush that within two months because mm -hmm. the other two four horsewomen of the UFC have been signed to NXT. Um, and we know the NXT women will also be a part of that pay-per-view. But we were also told that champions will be defending their championships on that show. So if Ronda Rousey is the Raw Women's Champion, that championship is going to be on the line on that show. So that's not happening. Right. Um, but maybe you can do Sasha and Ronda or Ronda and um, – I'm not really sure. Maybe Ronda and Ruby. I don't really know. But um, point being to answer your question, I would hope and assume that Ronda is Raw Women's Champion by that point in time. So now let, let's real quick fantasy book this. Now, when she becomes champion, who's the one that, that, that takes the belt off of her? Now, let's say let's WrestleMania time. They might do one more roster shuffle. So I, I don't think anybody on this current roster is going to take the belt off of her. They might do where they might, bring, well, they might bring Oscar back. They might bring Charlotte back to Raw. So once Ronda is champion... And let's say it's WrestleMania time, and let's say they, they, they want her to drop the title. Who is the most logical person that could take the belt off of her? That's a tough question because looking at the current Raw roster, like I said, that she really has no match. Obviously not Nia Jax. I, I mean, obviously from a size perspective, I mm -hmm. guess her, but she's not that good. Um, the two biggest stars on that show are Sasha Banks and Bayley. 
I really have no desire to see either one of them, to be honest with you, right now beat Ronda, even if Sasha Banks was the heel. Um, obviously, the big money match that we've talked about time and time and time again here on the show, dating back several months, is Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 35. Mm. Um, maybe that's where they do either a champion versus champion match, or maybe they do what they did earlier this year when Asuka went for the SmackDown Women's Championship, even though she was technically on Raw. I think that's what the we're going to see yeah. with Charlotte winning the Women's Royal Rumble and then Ronda going into WrestleMania as the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, I mean, okay. Asuka would be another believable person. She's really been damaged, so maybe not even her at this point. Honestly, Charlotte, I really don't know who else could be the one to beat Ronda Rousey. And even at that point, would you have Charlotte beat Ronda? Like, would you have her be the one or would you have it be Ronda beating Charlotte? Like, it could be someone in NXT. It could be Shayna Baszler. It could very well be Shayna Baszler. I would honestly not be surprised if they waited until she was called up later on this year or early next year to have her be the one to beat Ronda because they both come from the same world. Now, that would make sense. Um, but yeah, as of right now, as of right now, no real obvious suspects to be the one to pin Ronda Rousey and hand her her first official defeat in WWE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think. I know the fans loved when Oscar was undefeated for, for you know for quite some time. I'm trying to see if the fans would feel the same way if Ronda Rousey was quote unquote undefeated for a very long time. Fans get a little you know fickle. They just like you know what, all right. You 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 you've been undefeated for far too long. We need we need somebody to beat you now. This is getting boring. I know they did not do that to Oscar. They they did not do that to Goldberg back in the days. But I'm just trying to see would the fans turn on Ronda at some point if they feel like she's just being undefeated for for far too long. True, but I think with Oscar, I mean her character wasn't all about the streak, but that's really what her character was based on. She was basically. A female version of Goldberg. I mean, obviously a lot better than Goldberg in ring-wise and character-wise and pretty much in every other aspect. But, um, you know, they were counting the days that she was undefeated for. People would step up to try to beat her. With Ronda Rousey, it's not really the fact that she's undefeated. She's just a fucking monster. Like, there's a lot of people in NXT that are undefeated, but it's not about their undefeated streak. Like, Aleister Black, before recently, had been undefeated for, like, over a year. Now, in the main roster, that would be amazing. But in NXT, that's like just par for the course because people are very well booked and protected in NXT. And uh, I think Ronda Rousey, they're kind of doing the same thing with her where it's not really like, oh, she's been undefeated now for Mm. eight months or six years or whatever. Um, She's just a badass one-woman wrecking machine. So I don't really think it needs to be about like, oh, she's been undefeated now forever. I think that's that's something that will just come with time. Where people will like, oh, she's still undefeated. I didn't even realize that she was too busy, you know, uh, kicking ass and taking names. So I, I, I would hope that it's not an Oscar situation where her character is all about the streak because that's not really what her character should be about anyway. How dare you say Oscar's better than Goldberg, Graham? <laughs> Come on, hey, now. she is in the <laughs> ring. Obviously, a much, a much more uh, easier person to look at, much more attractive uh. person. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say more over. I mean, she didn't win the championship from Hollywood Hulk Hogan in the middle of Nitro in the Alamo Dome, in the in the middle of the fucking Georgia Dome. Um, not yeah. the Alamo Dome. What the fuck was it? Georgia, Georgia Dome, Dome, brother. But uh, you know, still, you know, I think uh, she's a much better Goldberg than Goldberg ever was. But hey, that's just my two cents. Better promo, Goldberg. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll give you that. At Come least Goldberg now. can speak English. Go- Goldberg had eight million 
people watching Nitro or some shit like that. It's, you know, but hey, hey, there's hey. something to be said for that. I agree. There's pros and cons. Um, speaking of Monday Night Raw, Paul Heyman had of a a nice sad uh, interview with uh, Renee Young, who, who's going to be announcing Monday Night Raw uh, this Monday. So congrats to her. It's something something different. No, no, Jonathan Coachman. So I know you're very happy about that. Um, but Paul Heyman, man, just listen to go out there, do an interview. It's kayfabe, but you try to pretend like you're, you know, unhappy. You're sad. You're crying. I don't know what the hell he did or, or what memory he went to to go there and, and, and cry on national television. But you know, again, this is what they do, man. They act. They act really well. And Paul Heyman is one of the best of all time. And he can spit that game to you, but when it comes to him being vulnerable, he can show it. And on Monday night, he he definitely showed that with the whole back and forth of him and Brock maybe not working together. So we'll see how that plays into SummerSlam with the with the Reigns match. But uh, the overall pro on oh, that promo, the overall interview he had with Renee Young, and, and, and was it shocking to you that Paul Heyman could pull this off where he looks vulnerable in front of uh, everybody? Not at all, because he's done this before. We know what he's capable of. Um, I think people kind of take him for granted because sometimes he comes out and he does cut the same promo with Brock Lesnar, my client, you know, beat the streak, whatever the fuck. Like, we've heard it all a million times. But, like, when the story gets interesting, because quite honestly, I could not give two shits about Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Really, the only reason why anyone would be excited for that match is because of Paul Heyman to see what he's going to do. I don't care if he ends up staying with Brock, turning on Brock, quitting the company, whatever. But his performance on Monday's Raw was phenomenal. And he's done this before because he did it about maybe five years ago. Um, It was during the point when he was feuding with CM Punk. And Brock had beaten Punk at SummerSlam, but Brock took off to go do whatever. And it was going to be Punk versus Curtis Axel, which at one point he was a, a Paul Heyman guy, if you can believe it. But it was Curtis Axel and Heyman versus Punk, and Heyman looked so disheveled in every interview that he did leading up to the show because he was worried about Punk getting his hands on him and beating the shit out of him and giving him his comeuppance and all this other stuff. That same look that he had back then, he mastered that from Monday's Raw this past week with like the bloodshot eyes, growing out the facial hair. Like That's real commitment there. Like This fucking company... Wants like all these Emmys and Grammys, whatever the hell the awards are for acting, an Oscar. They want all this shit for their company. Like, oh, you know, we're sports entertainment. We deserve all these awards. Like, fuck that shit. If anyone deserves an award, it's Paul fucking Heyman with that performance that he put forth on Monday's Raw talking about Brock Lesnar. I felt like I was watching a bad breakup. Like, I felt like I saw some guy dump his girlfriend and the girlfriend just go berserk over the fact that. He deleted her number and hasn't talked to her since. That's the way that Paul Heyman was talking to Monday's Raw. And it didn't feel cliche or scripted or like, oh, my God, this dumb wrestling stuff. Like, no, it felt very genuine and real and emotional. And it was fucking awesome. I loved it. And like you said, at a time where there's things that I re- – not many positive things I can say about Raw, mm-hmm. this was the – I can't even say the saving grace because the show sucked. Like, this was not enough to salvage the show. But it was the one – Beacon of light on an otherwise dreadful episode of Raw. But Paul Heyman deserves every accolade in the world for putting forth a performance of a lifetime on Monday's Raw during that interview segment with Renee Young. So now, how do you think they go further with this, with with Heyman and Brock, where, yeah, Brock, Brock Roman at SummerSlam, there's 
you know, dissension between Paul Heyman and Brock. Does Paul Heyman walk out with Brock at SummerSlam? Does Brock go out there by himself? What role does Paul Heyman play at SummerSlam? Are they just fucking with us? Or the fact that this could be the beginning of, uh, of I want to say the beginning of the game, but the beginning where Brock goes his separate way. Paul Heyman goes a separate way where he gets a new client, a male wrestler, female wrestler. We don't know, but how do you, if, if you were on the writing team, how would you book SummerSlam and the Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar dynamic going forward? I mean, it's tough to say. I think we'll get more answers on Monday's Raw. I think Brock Lesnar is booked for the show, so I think we'll get more interaction between Paul and Brock then to find out what their status is for SummerSlam. I would assume Paul comes out with Brock, maybe not as joyful as he usually is. I'm not sure what that uh, relationship's going to be like by then, but I am intrigued. Like I said, the match itself, I could not give two fucks about. But with Paul Heyman... We'll see. Um, I think it's a big blow. I think moreover than anything else, the WWE, if he does not resign, I think if Brock goes, Paul goes too. And in years past, that would not always be the case. Like when Brock took time off, Paul would stick around and manage CM Punk and then Curtis Axel and Ryback. And Punk was great. Axel and um, Ryback and Cesaro, they were all busts, unfortunately. They really went nowhere. And then after the, after the Cesaro thing didn't work out, not to his, you know, that was not his fault. That was not Cesaro's fault. That was completely WWE's fault. He's like, fuck it, I'm not coming back for any other shit that does not involve Brock Lesnar. So um, they keep him special by bringing him back every now and again, but it's really going to be a big blow to Raw when SummerSlam is over and done with and Paul Heyman's no longer on the show in any capacity. But that being said, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. I really can't even venture a guess at this point in time. But my assumption is that Paul will be out there with Brock, but he'll be more um, sheltered or more, you know... uh, laid back than usual i guess i don't know if the, what the right word would be but i think he'll be more um on the side than he usually is during the brock lesnar matches yeah i think i think it creates a dynamic where you know me you the people at home don't really know what's gonna happen i think you know it, it provides intrigue where you know sometimes in these matches you kind of know what's gonna happen ahead of time you know who's gonna win uh no no stakes at at um you know, on the line, but I think with this going forward, again, it, it, it won't be the first time Paul and Brock have broken up. It happened at Survivor Series, I think, in 02 with the Big Show. Um, but again, that was 16 years ago. But I, um, I don't know, man. It, it just might be a thing where Brock is going to just really go to UFC and do his thing. And um, again, now the, the, the question is. Even with even with the Paul Heyman and Brock, you know, not being on good terms, there's still no guarantee Roman Reigns is gonna win win the belt. So Brock might still walk out of Barclays again, still still Universal Champion. He's been champion for over a year and a half. There's no guarantee he's gonna lose. So even with, even with all that, Graham, does does this give you any any indication that Brock Lesnar is gonna lose the belt at SummerSlam? I would say it's pretty likely at this point. I mean, we said the same thing before WrestleMania. Look where we are now. And I mean, that Royal Rumble, the, o- yeah. the only reason they would keep the championship on Brock is because they want to do the simultaneous champions thing at UFC two, whatever the fuck it's going to be later on, or you know, in 2019 with him and Daniel Cormier, if they want to have Brock. The thing is, it's not a scripted sport. 
So what if they have the championship on Brock until then, and then he loses? Right. So then all of this is for nothing. I've said this before, but it's like, what a waste. Like, what, Dana White's going to throw in the title for Cor- – he's going to throw in the towel for Cormier just because he wants Brock to have both belts? Like, Dana White doesn't give a shit. You notice how Brock did not have the Universal Championship with him at UFC 226? Because they don't give a shit. They don't care. So I, I don't <laughs> think it really means anything at all, to be honest with you. Um, they are going to take the championship off of them. They're not going to have Braun Strowman carry that briefcase around for another four months or whatever the hell it is. Either I, I could see a situation. I'm not saying that Brock is going to lose. I think he will lose. I think the most obvious route to take is Roman wins and then Braun cashes in. Because the story they've been telling for years is that Roman will be the one to beat Brock. They've been telling this story for over three and a half fucking years. Mm-hmm. And if it takes forever to get there, they will get there. No one is going to beat Brock before Roman gets to beat Brock. Now, granted, Goldberg did, but that was a one-and-done type thing. He's beaten him before. Whatever. But Roman Reigns will beat Brock eventually. It's going to happen at SummerSlam. Why wait any longer? They've did that whole video package for Roman on Raw this week. I think it was this week or last week. I think it was this week. Oh, beautiful. Where he lost to WrestleMania. He lost the greatest Royal Rumble. You don't put together that type of video package and then have him lose. Because Roman Reigns, whether we like it or not, is their guy. They're going to build him up as the guy in this company, and he can't be the guy if he always fucking loses against Brock Lesnar because it makes the entire rest of the roster look like complete shit because they can't be the guy who's never around, and it makes that belt look like shit too. So, again, I could see a situation where maybe Brock wins. I don't know why the fuck that would happen. It, make, it would complete, just fire Roman Reigns at that point. Like, who cares? <laughs> just fire the guy. Because if he can't be Brock after yeah, four like, times, the guy's a certified loser. He already is a loser. He's already lost to him three times. But still, um, four, to- four times the charm, I guess. I don't know. But maybe Brock wins yeah. and then Braun cashes in. Or maybe Roman wins and then Braun cashes in the next night. Because I think Brock is slated for the Raw after SummerSlam at last word. I think that's what I read or heard. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But again, I think that would be insanely stupid. Because it does nothing for Roman Reigns. Yeah. I don't. I mean, whether people like him or not, it will do damage to the guy. And the guy is good. It's not the fact I hate Roman Reigns. I mean, I like Roman Reigns. They should turn him heel, obviously. We've been saying that for years now. But he should not lose. I know people hate his guts. But the fact of the matter is, is that Brock should not beat him again. He shouldn't even have beat him at WrestleMania, to be quite honest. It was more of a shock value than anything that served no purpose. Uh, but Roman has to win. At some point, you have to tell the story that Roman can beat Brock because if he's not, then he has to get his win back at some point. It won't be hopefully in 20 fucking 23. So I think Roman wins. Braun cashes in either that night or the next night. Yeah. But whatever the case is, they just got to get it over with and move the fuck on. Yeah, I think two things. One, for Roman, man, if, if you if you lose, again, I know it's scripted, but they make him lose <laughs> on, on at SummerSlam. Listen, man, you, you can't be the big dog and this is your yard. You can't be Brock. And two, uh, if you lose four times in a row to Brock, you you got to go fight for the tag title or some shit. You can't be <laughs> you can't be trying to get the, the universal title. You can't beat the guy. So I mean, I, I think it's gonna be a time where Roman's gonna win. Now, you know, Braun with the with the the briefcase again. He 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 also has the match at SummerSlam with Kevin Owens defending that briefcase. I think he'll win the match, but again, he might come out. And cash in again. It'll be WrestleMania 31 all over again, where you just don't pin Brock. You don't make him submit. You just come in, cash in, and pin Roman, and then Brock 
is not champion, but you don't actually see. That's my thing. If if Roman's gonna win, and I know I asked you this two weeks ago, is it, it, it's all about how is he gonna win? You think Roman Reigns, out of everything he's done, he's gonna now pin Brock Lesnar with with a spear or with the the Superman punch or or some shit like that? I don't know. I, that, that's why I feel like Braun cashing in uh, could be the you know the the wild card. And he, you know, he can walk out as champion. Or better yet, Roman can still Roman Braun can cash in, and fucking Roman can still pin Braun somehow. It just I I I'm trying to figure out how do you get the belt over Brock if I know Goldberg beat him and pinned him, but that's Goldberg. We're talking about Roman Reigns now. Do they if Roman Reigns pins Brock, then that's really elevating him as if like you're the guy. Like you you pin Brock Lesnar clean exactly. one two three in the ring so. If they're ready for it, then I'm ready for it. I know you. I know you ain't ready for it. But I'm saying if they go that route, there's no turning back from that. No, they have to. They have to. Like I said, if you do what you said, I think more people might be happy. Like, oh, you know, Braun didn't pin Roman or whatever. Like, yeah, whatever the hell it is. If you do that, where Braun cashes in halfway through, first of all, it would be lazy because they did the same thing last time three years ago. True. Second of all. It does nothing for Roman Reigns because it still does not complete the story of whether Roman can beat Brock or not. True. Because if they do that, then we have to have another Roman and Brock match yeah. at WrestleMania 35. Like, they're <laughs> going to finish this fucking story if it's the last thing they do. Just get it over with now. Have him beat Brock. Again, it's all a matter of how he beats him because he will beat him eventually. It's going to happen. It should happen next Sunday because they need this thing to end. I do, no one cares about this feud anymore if they ever care to begin with. Um, but it's got to happen that way. It would be dumb if they had Braun cash in halfway through and then Roman won the championship regardless because it would be a waste of the briefcase. The thing with Brock is that, yeah, his his losses should be far and few between. We talked about here in the show a couple weeks ago the amount of people that have beaten Brock in one-on-one matches. It's like seven people since 2002. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. But at some point, you got to say to yourself, okay, we have to have someone on the current roster beat Brock Lesnar. Not a guy from fucking Monday Night Nitro 20 years ago. Not John Cena. Not Triple H. It needs to be someone on the current roster that will be here for at least the next five years as a regular member of the active roster that will benefit from beating Brock. This should have happened years ago. But better late than never. It's not going to launch Roman Reigns into superstar, and people will still hate him no matter what. But at least someone benefits from Bo- from Brock leaving because we don't know if he's, he's going to be back. I think he will. I think it's only inevitable before Brock returns. But this could be the last Brock Lesnar match we ever see in WWE. So if it is, he's got to go out by losing. He can't keep him undefeated forever. I thought it was great the way they protected him back at WrestleMania 31. But then again, that was only a year after the end of the streak. He has now ended the streak four and a half years ago. And at this point, people don't really care like if Samoa Joe came out and beat Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam it would be a big deal but not as big of a deal as it would have been a few years ago because they really failed the strike while the iron was hot and the time when they could have done it when it would have meant the most was at Survivor Series 2016 and they had some fucking 55 year old man do it instead and that's on WWE so at this point they have to have Roman do it he's got to be the one to take the title from Brock move the hell on and have Braun then cash in on Roman so people aren't complaining about it online the next day so we can end this thing finally and move the hell on i don't know where they go from there whether roman's champion or whether bronze champion i have no clue where they go from there because there's really no heels to work with on raw 
But, I mean, it would be one thing if they had Roman go heel and Paul Heyman. Because he even said in the Raw's interview, I mean, it, they cut it off. It's on the YouTube channel. They had the extra clip on their WWE YouTube channel where Paul Heyman was like, Roman Reigns stands no chance. Roman Reigns stands no chance against Brock Lesnar unless, like, dot, dot, dot. And he never finished what he was saying, and it just ended. So it's like maybe he could align with him. I don't really need to see a Paul Heyman Roman Reigns alliance. I don't think it needs to happen. But hey, you know what? It'd be something different or interesting. And if anything, it would finally turn Roman Reigns heel, which I don't think is going to happen because if they were going to do it, they would have done it a couple years ago. But that would be one way to have Roman finally be Brock and get the belt on Roman and not have people complaining. So that'd be one thing. But that's a uh, best case scenario, which means it's probably not going to happen. Graham Goldberg is 51, man. He ain't 55. Stop it. 51, <laughs> 55. The guy's fucking peaked 20 years ago. It's all the same. Oh, man. <laughs> Goldberg. Um, more like Oldberg. Hey, yeah, sorry. Hey. Um, hey, listen, man. I think they've been doing a really good job trying to turn this crowd to, to cheer for, for Roman unless there was some, there was some fake chanting going on last week. I know I didn't bring it up because we didn't do a show, but they, people were chanting, we we want Roman. At the no, end. you're not wrong. I'm not going to deny that. They definitely had people chanting for Roman by the end of the show when he wasn't there and Brock Lesnar laid out Kurt Angle. Um, so, you know, they succeeded in that respect. I forgot where they were last week. I think it was Miami. I'm pretty you're sure right, it was Miami. Because yeah. um, I know they were talking about how Brock had returned in that same city like six years earlier. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a week-to-week thing. I think more often than not, he does get pretty bad chance the thing is is that all of this is for naught because they're going to be in fucking brooklyn they knew this dating back three years ago that no matter what or who he's facing brock lesnar or roman reigns rather will always be booed he was booed three years ago when he came out and he teamed with dean ambrose people love ambrose but they booed roman mm-hmm. it happened two years ago when he faced uh, rusev that night it happened last year when he went for the title against Brock Lesnar and I think Strowman and Joe he got booed that night too he's gonna get booed next Sunday too it's not gonna matter but you know at least some crowds are cheering him so that is that is uh, somewhat encouraging mm. for the company I suppose right and then you know I, I like you know seeing Brock cut you know cut the promo against uh, against cut the promo uh, towards Kurt Angle and doing all that like it was it was different you don't normally see Brock Take the microphone and just say, you know, I'm 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 gonna talk my damn self and not have Paul talk for me. So I think that was I think you should give Brock the mic more. I'm not saying, you know, for a whole five minute segment, but you know, stuff like that. Talk about, you know, what you, you don't you don't like me or you know, shit like that. something like that is is good enough for me. And I think they should do more of that. I mean, if he stays longer, they should do more of that and kinda of get away from Paul Heyman always doing his promos. Yeah, I mean, it depends what it is. I mean, Brock should not always be talking. Something different than fucking Paul Heyman coming out, playing up Brock Lesnar, yeah. while Brock Lesnar bounces in the background and got old three, four years ago. So, I mean, anything is different. Anything that is different is a refreshing change of pace. I can't say that Brock Lesnar sitting on the couch in the back reading a fucking Farmer's Magazine exactly piques my interest. But, you know what? They're trying something different. Um, so there is that. I mean, there's also something to be said about Brock pretty much burying the show and saying, why would I watch the show, Paul? I, I don't watch Raw. Why would I watch Raw? Fantastic. Which is exactly what everyone else is thinking when they listen to him say that. So it's like, why the fuck would you have your top champion say that? We all know Brock doesn't watch Raw, but to have him come out and say it makes matters even worse. That's on the company again, not on not on Brock or Paul or whatever. But yeah, to, to, back to your point, though, I do think having Brock do something different 
um, is definitely appreciated. But it won't really matter come SummerSlam or after SummerSlam because, like I said, I think he's gone until at least WrestleMania. So we won't be seeing Brock for a while anyway post SummerSlam. Real quick before we get off of get off uh, Roman, um, in the year of fan, you know, I, I, you know, we go back and forth about Reigns. I, 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 I want to know when was the last time that you remember that you cheered for Roman Reigns? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very good question, even. That long I mean, ago, huh? I know he got. I know he we got. You know, got that great reaction. Like, I'm thinking when you ask me that, I'm thinking like not a one-off, a like occasion. I'm thinking like when I was truly behind Roman Reigns. Yeah. Like, I'm the the one moment that comes to mind is when he won the WWE Championship on Raw against Sheamus that one night, and the reaction was great, and people loved him. It only lasted for a month, if that, before people went back to booing him. It was less about Roman becoming champion and more about getting the belt off of Sheamus, who sucked as champion um but before that probably around this time four years ago before he got hurt and he came back and won the rumble i think before he got hurt he had a lot of momentum on his side it was right after the shield split up and he was doing the whole thing with randy orton and then seth rollins he was having a lot of good matches people were chanting for roman they were behind him there were some boos very faint though not as overt as they are now but i would consider myself like the biggest Roman Reigns fan, or like at any point when he's been on the main roster besides the Shield stuff, mm. it was around that point four years ago, which is basically light years ago in wrestling years. But yeah, it's uh, that would probably be the last time I would say that I was fully behind Roman Reigns. All right, let's uh, update everybody with the SummerSlam card. Right now we got 11 matches. Uh, Brock Roman, Alexa Bliss, Ronda Rousey, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Bludgeon Brothers are taking on now the New Day. They won the tag team title or tag team, tag team tournament to become number one contenders on SmackDown. Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens, Dolph, and Seth Rollins, which, I, you know, I think when you have an Iron Man match in the, in the previous pay-per-view and then you come back with a rematch and i think as of now as a regular one-on-one match i think that's that's not good because you you already set the bar high in 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 the previous event and now you just come back with a regular one-on-one match Uh, hopefully they'll put a ladder match or some shit like that but just to, to go from an iron man to a singles match is not you know appealing to me but um Carmella, Becky, Charlotte, triple threat for the SmackDown Women's title. Cedric Alexander, Drew Gulak, Cruiserweight title. Nakamura, Jeff Hardy, U.S. title. Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, singles match. And Daniel Bryan, The Miz, singles match, which got official on SmackDown on Tuesday. I know a match that we've all been waiting for. You know, maybe one day Miz is world champion. And Daniel Bryan can uh, fight him forward or vice versa. Um, so 11 matches on the card. I know we'll do the preview hopefully sometime next week. But um, any matches you feel like that are, are missing that could be on? Like I'm trying to think. I, I know you mentioned Ginger is not here, but, but you don't care about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't care less if he's, on, if he's on the card or not. But anybody who we're missing that could get on it for a match? Or do you think this is pretty solid? No, this should be it. I mean, the only matches I could see getting added are Bobby Lashley versus Elias, which is kickoff material. Kickoff material. No one – I don't even care about Finn Balor and Baron Corbin, but that's a bigger deal than fucking 
Um, then Elias. Bobby Lashley and Elias. Like, who cares? The authors of Pain versus Titus Worldwide should not even happen on the kickoff show. Oh, I don't. I don't care. I really don't care about that at all. Um, I could see them adding like a multi-women tag team match or something like that to the show, to the kickoff show with like Ember Moon. I could see them adding like Sasha and Bailey versus the Riot Squad at the pay-per-view. But beyond that, I think the card is is perfect. I think you have. I'd have to go on Wikipedia. Maybe you can uh, clarify this for me, Randy. Yeah. But if we have five matches from Raw and then five from SmackDown and then one 205 Live match, I think that's perfect. I really do. I think that's a great combination. You get a Cruiserweight title match represented there, five from Raw, five from SmackDown. Now, again, my math, my math might be wrong, but I think that's the way that it breaks down. And I think that's great. Um, I think um, both brands have a lot to offer, a lot more from SmackDown than Raw. I like the U.S. title match. I like Joe and Styles. I like the tag title match, the women's, um, Brian and Miz. I like all the SmackDown matches, not so much the Raw stuff, but it has potential. A lot of these SummerSlam shows have a lot of good and some very bad, especially since they ended since they started going to the uh, Barclays Center a few years ago. A lot of these endings have been shit, and a lot of the main events have been very controversial. I hope that's not the case this year. Because the show does have potential on paper, so we'll see. But um, I am looking forward more to the SmackDown matches than the Raw matches at this present moment. Yeah, uh, five on Raw, five from SmackDown, one Cruiserweight match, 11 in total. Uh, I mean, you can mention Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton not, not on the card. Um, trying to see who else. I think that's pretty much it, uh, you know. John Cena's not on here. I know you mentioned uh, in your Bleacher Report uh, article early in the week that that SummerSlam doesn't need John Cena. I know he's been around for SummerSlam since 04, 05. Hasn't missed one since, but more than likely he'll miss this one. But I know you mentioned they don't need John Cena. I mean, don't they? Or do, do you feel like maybe he'll do some kind of... Uh, I mean, I think I, I think he said he'll he'll come back for a live event overseas in September. So I don't think he'll be at SummerSlam, but uh, could be kind of different after his uh, five star match he had with Baron Corbin last year, right? Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> what a waste of time that shit was. What a what a clunker of a match that is. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, hopefully John Cena can get back in action for SmackDown. He probably won't be at SummerSlam, but. Um, trying to see where to go here. A- anything else from SmackDown? I know we got New Day advanced in the tag tournament to get the Bludgeon Brothers. I couldn't care less about all that. I think New Day should be broken up. But that's a different story for a different day. Randy Orton cut a, a cool promo in the beginning. He's not on the SummerSlam card. Um, and the Miz Daniel Bryan story got extended and now official um, for SummerSlam. Um how excited are you for Daniel Bryan and Miz right now? The way with, with the way it's going, I'm excited. I think I'm looking forward to Miz and Bryan. That might be the most anticipated match in the entire card, with the uh, exception of Joe and Styles, just because they've never had a one-on-one match before in WWE. But yeah, Bryan and Miz has been great. I really, like I said, been enjoying a lot of the SmackDown stuff with Orton and Nakamura and Hardy, Joe and Styles, Bryan and Miz. Even the tag team stuff. I know I know a lot of people don't really care for New Day getting back in the tag team title picture, but that main event on SmackDown this week was great. Easily the best WWE match I saw all week was between the New Day and the bar in the main event of SmackDown. Um, but yeah, the Brian and this stuff has been awesome. 
Miz on the mic has been untouchable. And then Brian has been showing a great intensity and attacking him, going after him and making people want to see Brian kick Miz's ass at SummerSlam. And I know I think you might you might have mentioned it earlier, but I think it'd be great if you had Brian and Miz go beyond SummerSlam. And I'm not just talking about going into like fucking hell in the cell like that'd be stupid. I mean, I guess you could do that, but. I'm thinking, like, we don't know if Brian is resigned yet. I think the current rumor is that he has not resigned yet with WWE. So why not have Miz win? In case Brian doesn't resign, having him win here would be completely pointless. But even if he stays, you can have Miz win here, finally back up what he's been saying over the last number of years, and have Brian try to beat Miz, get his win back at WrestleMania, when the Miz is the fucking WWE champion. I think that would be the best possible story they can tell with these two guys by having them draw this story this story out from SummerSlam to WrestleMania um and they can always go back to it you know they don't have to continue the feud between now and and WrestleMania eight months down the road but that's what I would do I would have Miz win next Sunday and then have him win the championship at some point between now and WrestleMania maybe he beats AJ maybe Joe fails to beat AJ for the belt and Miz wins it at the next pay-per-view who knows and then Brian wins the Rumble finally, so people can stop complaining about, oh, you know, Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble, he needs to win, blah, blah, blah. You can finally have him win the Rumble. He goes on to WrestleMania and wins back the championship from The Miz. I think that would be phenomenal, but that would be too long of a story to tell, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if they want to tell that that too long of a story. And we also don't know if Brian's sticking around, but if he does, that's how I would book it. All right, Graham. I'm gonna throw some quick rapid fire stuff to you guys. Uh, to you guys. To you. I'm so used to to you and Mark beating. I'm seeing I know. you guys. Plural. I know it's weird. Um, I mean, shout out to Mark Ramondi from MMAfighting.com. He's on Twitter at Mark underscore Ramondi. Um, great work for the UFC. Hopefully, we'll get him back at least for SummerSlam preview ne- next week. If not, we'll see how that goes. Um, there, there's been talks about The Rock coming back. Uh, are you for it? Are you done with The Rock? Are you more like, yeah, I don't, I don't care if it comes back, just not for a fucking world championship match? No, I'm for it. I like The Rock. I like when The Rock's around. It has to be for the right, you know, the right program. It can't be like him against fucking like Bray Wyatt. Like, who cares? It's got to be a big time match. And people might not like this, but it, it might have to be against a big name, like a name that we've already seen before, like a Triple H. Or a Brock Lesnar. I would do Triple H. I know the Brock Lesnar match was rumored years ago. It almost happened in WrestleMania 30. With the current incarnation of Brock and him suplexing people every single match, I really have no desire to see that Brock Lesnar against The Rock. And that time has come and gone. Triple H would be fun. I'm not saying that it would be a five-star classic, but you know, I think it could be along the lines of what we saw at WrestleMania this year from Angle and Triple H in that mixed tag team match. Mm. Just a fun trip down memory lane. And if someone from the current roster, I think it would have to be Roman Reigns. I don't know who else would make as much sense. Roman Reigns is the guy anyway, and they have history as cousins. So I think that'd be cool. I mean, I guess you would have to have The Rock lose to Roman Reigns, which would elicit a major negative reaction unless they're turning him heel. I'm not exactly sure if that's what they want. Um, But yeah, I'm for The Rock coming back. He's got to have at least one more match. If his last match in the record books is against fucking Eric Rowan at WrestleMania 32, mm. then God save us all. So I think he <laughs> is coming back. I don't know if it's going to be next year or not, but I think he could have another match, and I think he will have another match. It's more a matter of when than if. Uh, well, you know, The Rock and Triple H could be kind of cool. You know, they, they've had a long history. We saw one time back in 
then a couple years ago, they were on SmackDown. They kind of teasing one more match, and you know we saw WrestleMania 31 with the you know with Stephanie and Ronda Rousey. So there's still history, but hopefully, you know they can get back in the ring one on one. Now you mentioned Triple H before we uh, get up out of here. You also did great work on Bleacher Report about an article mentioning Triple H's seven greatest matches. And he's had a ton of matches in his career. Very tough to kind of narrow it down to be the greatest. And this is your opinion, not mine. So I'm going to go over these matches with you once I get the uh, the link. Here you give me one second. Oh, there we go. Bleacher Report. My man Graham GSM Matthews. <laughs> you know, my friend. I'm trying to put this on the... the, the there we go on the periscope. Like, haven't perfect, done this in a while. perfect. Even better, get All that right. get that shameless plug in there. That's right, shameless plug, uh, plug, plug. Uh, Graham hmm. Matthews Bleacher Report talking about Triple H's seven greatest matches over what a twenty-five plus year career. Let me see what Graham got here. I know I I, I breezed through it. He had a couple honorable mentions. I mean, I think the biggest one that I forgot to mention that I should have, which you brought up over through text to me, was the SummerSlam match to Shawn Michaels. And oh. I love that match. I don't know how I missed that, but that, that's one of them. Come on, Gray. Listen, this whole list becomes invalid if you don't have Triple H. And I know, Shawn I know. Michaels. I mean, there's a lot of Shawn Michaels matches in there anyway, but that one should be on there because that was their best match, I think, ever. All right, so honorable mention, you had Triple H. Again, majority of these I've seen... I just probably haven't seen in a while. Triple H, Chris Jericho, fully loaded 2000. I have not seen that in a long time. So uh, if you have it up there, it, it has to be for good reason. Triple H, Y2J, fully loaded 2000. Again, these are honorable mentions. We also have Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Benoit from Backlash 04, which I assume was the rematch of WrestleMania 20. Yep. Okay. Triple H, John Cena versus Edge, Backlash 06. I thought that was, I thought that was a pretty good match. I I even think the match with Hunter and Cena at WrestleMania 22 is underrated to to a degree. I think from a John Cena standpoint, where people could say, you know, him against Daniel Bryan or him against AJ Styles, people tend to forget him and him and Hunter. At WrestleMania 22, uh, very very underrated. Uh, Hunter against Daniel Bryan against Res- uh, at WrestleMania 30, and Triple H Dean Ambrose Roadblock 2016. Okay, that now Graham that match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come, uh, come on, Randy does not really? approve. Roadblock. It was a great match. Easily one of his best matches since. Uh I don't know, in the last couple of years, since he became a part-timer, better than the Rollins match, better than the mm. Roman match for sure. The Rollins match was good. The Dean Ambrose match was great. Not better than Hunter and Sean. I agree. I know. I forgot. You're not going to let me live that down, you no, son of a bitch. No, you're not. Uh, all right, your, <laughs> your top seven, Triple H, The Rock, SummerSlam 98, which is going to make 20 years uh, in, in a couple weeks. Wow. Um it was for the Intercontinental title ladder match. Uh, I think one, you know, people mentioned Stone Cold and Taker from that show as the main event, but this is quite possibly the, the best match on, on of the night. For those who haven't seen it, Triple H, The Rock, SummerSlam 98. 
IC title match coming in at number seven, according to Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. Um, they again going back to what you said earlier about the rivalry. They had a two out of three falls match early, um, back in July at Fully Loaded, um, and it culminated with you know Hunter was DX, The Rock was with the Nation. Rock went on to be world champion after that. Um, but I get I think one of their better matches that they had during that rivalry. Number six, you had Hunter against Batista, Vengeance 05. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, that was a cage match, right? Yeah, that was Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell match. Okay, again, that's probably one of the best Hell in a Cell matches out there. Hunter and Batista from Vengeance 05. Number five, Triple H, Cactus Jack, No Way Out 2000. A steel cage match, right? No, Hell in a Cell match. Damn. That was Hell in the Cell, too. Yeah, he's one of the masters of Hell in the Cell, I whether know. people like it or not. Him and Taker. Um, I haven't seen that in a while, but I think that's the one he did a backdrop to Mick, to Cactus, and he fell through the roof, right? Yes, that was that one from uh, from No Way Out 2000, yeah. Right. Okay, I'll give you that one. Number four, Triple H, Undertaker from WrestleMania 28. Again, a Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're lucky. You're lucky to put the Shawn Michaels on the cell match on there too from uh, Bad Blood 04. That was an excellent match as well. Yeah, um, Shawn with the referee. I think his, you know, what he was able to do to add to the story was phenomenal. So I, I'll give you that. I agree with that. Triple H and Steve Austin against Jericho Benoit from Raw May 2000. I don't remember this. But you got to tell me, why is Hunter Steve Austin versus Jericho Benoit up here? Because it's one of, if not the greatest Raw match of all time. You have to watch it back. I'm, I'm surprised you don't remember it. But it also might be because it doesn't get brought up enough just because of, obviously, Benoit's involvement. WWE would never mention it again. Mm. But it's widely regarded by many people as one of the greatest Raw matches of all time. And it was also the same match where Triple H got hurt. And he was gone right. for the next year. Um, but Jericho and Benoit winning the belts was great. The match was amazing. The reaction to it was great. It was just a perfect combination of everything that you would ever want out of a tag team match. So, again, the whole two-man power trip was short-lived. Jericho and Benoit as tag team champions was short-lived. But as a match, it was a masterpiece. Number two, Triple H, Stone Cold, No Way Out 2001. Uh, this was a regular match or for the title? That was non-title, but it was three stages of hell. Uh, Austin uh, had just won the Royal Rumble, so then he lost this match, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, with three, it was three stages of hell after they had feuded the entire fall season in 2000. After Steve came back, targeted Triple H, said, oh, you ran me over with your car, blah, blah, blah. Right. They kind of deviated from the feud going into the Rumble, and they rekindled the rivalry and wrapped it up at this pay-per-view with Triple H picking up the rare, uh, clean heel victory. Yeah, I have not seen that in a while. So I got to check up on that. And number one, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Benoit, WrestleMania 20. Um, okay. I mean, I, th I can't argue with that. A lot of people would have that, in, at least in his top three. Um... I mean, I, I, aside from that, uh, who was it? Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle on that on that pay per view. 
Uh, Brock was uh, Brock and Goldberg. So I think this yep. was the best match on the card. Oh, easily. It's one of the best WrestleMania main events of all time, mm. so that's why I put it on there. Right, right. No, I, I, th- I think you pretty much nailed it, except for the fact that you don't have Sean and uh, <laughs> and Hunter. I made this list very late on a Thursday night, so it's hard to blame me, but I, I am also surprised that I neglected to mention that match just because it's also one of my favorite SummerSlam matches of all time, too. That whole pay-per-view. Like, if people are looking for good SummerSlam shows to watch before SummerSlam next weekend... Watch SummerSlam 02. That show was fucking great. Yeah, You had that match. You had The Rock and Brock Lesnar for the WWE title in the main event. You had, like, Eddie Guerrero um, versus Ric Flair. Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit. Mm. Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Damn. Um, There were a lot of other great matches, too, that I'm forgetting to mention. I mean, Undertaker and Test, like, who cares? But, like, by and large, that show was really, really fucking good. So uh, definitely check out that whole show when you get the chance. Definitely, man. And go ahead and check out Graham Matthews on Bleacher Report. Great work. Uh, again, article on the seven greatest matches in the history of Triple H, his, his career. Also, the, you know, why SummerSlam does not need John Cena article he has up on earlier this week. Go ahead and check him out. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. We're going to have the SummerSlam preview show, hopefully, uh, sometime next week. And I think um, I'm still working out a way to get to NXT and SummerSlam, Graham. And also, real quick, um, it's going to be Ciampa and Gargano one-on-one for the NXT title at NXT TakeOver 4 because Aleister Black is out, correct? That is correct. That is a legit injury. So Black is out, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I think he suffered an injury at a recent house show. It's Mm. a groin injury. They thought he'd be back in time. He's not, which sucks because that three-way looked amazing on paper. So hopefully we get it when he gets back. I don't know how long he's out for. Hopefully it's not long. Um, But the match we're going to get, obviously, like you said, Gargano Ciampa, third one at Brooklyn Four. Last man standing, which was the stipulation, which I think they were going to do the last time in Chicago. But because they were doing that same stipulation and money in the bank that weekend, too, they didn't want to overdo it. So they saved it for this show. So that's really cool. Looking forward to that. That whole show should be amazing. You got that match. You have I think that hasn't been made official, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be Undisputed Air versus Mustache Mountain. Part three for the <laughs> NXT tag team titles. You have Shayna Baszler mm-hmm. versus Kyrie Sane for the NXT Women's Championship. Velveteen Dream versus EC3. Oh, man, and Adam Colbebe versus Ricochet for the NXT North American Championship. So it's a loaded show. Yeah. It's a star-studded card. People are going to love it. Um, they have people who aren't even on the show who could show up before TakeOver on the TV tapings. People like the fucking Heavy Machinery or the Street Profits. Or Keith Lee, who just debuted, who's a star. There was a chance that um, indie sensation Matt Riddle might be there in the crowd. A lot of buzz around mm-hmm. Takeover. So I know you said you might, you don't know if you're going to be there yet, Randy. But definitely make an effort to try I'm to get trying, there, whether man. you have to pay for a ticket or not. Because this show, we talked about it last. We talk about it all the time here in the show. We, I think we ranked the Brooklyn shows one time. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to regret not being in attendance for this show. I was at the first two. You were at the most recent two. We were both. That's where I met you at the second one two years ago. Yeah. I couldn't go last year. I don't regret it because that was a way I didn't have a choice. But if I had the chance to go, I would have gone. 
because that show was fucking awesome. Adam Cole debuted. Adam Cole baby debuted on that show. So you never know what you're going to get in Brooklyn. And I got a feeling that it's going to be an amazing show, much better than SummerSlam. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, it lives up to the high expectations. Like I always tell you, man, as long as they have Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole on the card, I'll be watching. They got to stop this North American bullshit. Just give Adam Cole the, the main world title and keep it moving. <laughs> Hey, the guy's a star. Adam Cole, yeah. uh, I would not be surprised when WrestleMania comes to uh, the Northeast next year. I'm totally going no matter what, but I'm making a point to go to the post-WrestleMania Raw, which I've never been to before. I went to WrestleMania last year. I could not stay over for the Raw. I would go next year, if only, just to see Undisputed Era get called up on the main roster, which I get a feeling. I have the feeling it's going to happen next year. I mean, it could happen before that. But I think Adam Cole is destined to be called up in that Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania. For my sake, I hope it's Raw. Um, but I think those guys are uh, bound for big things on the main roster. Now, we say the same thing about pretty much everybody yeah. from NXT. But I think with Adam Cole, they would really have to try to fuck him up because the guy is bulletproof. That's how great he is. No, you're right. I think if, you know, when when they get called, though, I think they'll be more ready. And again, I don't watch NXT all the time. Well, barely like you do but i think when they get called up i think they'll be more ready than enzo and Cass were or more ready than alters of pain and, and everybody else who, who's been coming up as, as a tag team i yeah. think they'll be more ready and more polished true true i would make the case for uh it's tough it really is because i think with authors of pain they were ready i think if anything they could have been called up six months ago and they would have been they could have been called up a year ago and they would have been fine it was just more a matter of tag team wrestling right now in WWE. It has its peaks and valleys. It's not a priority. I mean, I know they made an event at SmackDown on Tuesday, but like Sanity have done nothing on the main roster. Authors of Pain nope. is even worse. Nope. They're in a feud of the fucking tightest worldwide. Like, who cares? They come across like losers. They got split apart from their manager on day one, which was a stupid-ass mistake. Um, Enzo and Cass was a different story because they came up with a lot of fanfare. If you go back and watch their debut, they came in with a lot of buzz. They were really, really over. The thing with them is that WWE booked them like losers right after that, and they went nowhere, and then they broke up. Um, there's a lot of tag teams that really don't go anywhere. Like the Revival was the same thing last year. They came up with a lot of buzz. It wasn't really WWE's fault in that case. The Revival just got hurt. So it was just bad timing, and now they're kind of getting the shaft. They could win the Raw Tag Team titles on Monday next week. I would hope so, but not getting my hopes up because this company loves the fucking B team for some reason. But the difference is is that they're a tag team. The Undisputed Era, if it's everybody, if it's Adam Colbebe, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong, the whole package, that's a stable right there. It's not very often they call up stables. They called up Sanity together. Again, they have not been technically lighting the world on fire in the blue brand, but the Wyatt family made a pretty big impression when they got, got when they got called up five years ago. I hope the same can happen for the Undisputed Era because Adam Cole is that good. Um, so I, I'm hoping they kind of have a similar path of success on the main roster and don't get buried outright from day one or aren't you know lost in the shuffle because they're too good for that to happen they've really been worth watching like one of the main things to be watching for in nxt and when they get called up hopefully it's around a point where they need people in the main roster and aren't being just called up for the sake of being called up and they have a plan in place for them upon their arrival these guys have uh money making stars written all over them do you see real quick do you see uh champa or Gar uh, gargano moving up after this uh, whether the, the following night or do you feel like 
not saying they'll continue their rivalry, but do you feel like it, that it is, it's going to run its course and something, something's got to give? At SummerSlam after SummerSlam? Yeah. I was thinking that about, honestly, Aleister Black. Because mm. I didn't think Aleister Black would regain the gold. He dropped the belt on an episode of NXT, as we talked about a few weeks ago. I thought they would just have him move up. I don't know what the status of that is, because if he can't compete at TakeOver, he's obviously not going to show up on Raw if he's hurt. But I think he's getting called up in the near future before Ciampa or Gargano. I mean, they're having their match in Brooklyn, yeah. so they could blow off the feed and then call up the other one the very next week, I guess, if they wanted to. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the right time. I mean, obviously, it would have to be Raw or SmackDown. Gargano is way too over and way too good to be called up the fucking 205 Live. And 205 Live, no disrespect, no uh, disrespect, but... You know, the show has been a lot better since Enzo left and they got Triple H right in the show and it's a lot better. But Gargano and Ciampa are not cruiserweights. They're not. Ciampa is the best heel in like all of wrestling right now. To call that guy up to 205 Live would be a massive mistake. So I would keep them down in NXT for a little while longer. I see no real place for them on Raw. I don't want to see Gargano get called up and then lose to Dolph Ziggler at the next pay-per-view for the IC title. Like that to me is a waste. So I would wait until the time is right. But there's a chance. I think Aleister Black gets called up before either one of them, but his injury kind of threw a uh, wrench into those plans, I think. Well, we'll see what happens next week or two weeks from now for uh, NXT TakeOver 4 and SummerSlam both at Barclays. I know me and you are both trying to be there. Probably you'll be there one night. I'll be there the following night. I'm trying to get both. So let's keep our fingers crossed. But um, Graham, always a pleasure. You can follow him on Twitter at WrestleRant. Great work for Bleacher Report. Also, my man Mark Remondi from MMAFighting.com. He's on Twitter at Mark underscore Remondi. And you can follow and find the two out of three falls podcast on Cruise Control on iTunes and SoundCloud. Graham, my man, always appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it. Always a great time talking to you here on the show. Looking forward to breaking out SummerSlam next week. But until then, my friend, have a great one, and I'll talk to you then. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, brother. Adios. All right.